You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're Canada's number one tech radio program. We've got a lot to talk about uh, on today's uh, show. We will uh, be chatting with the folks over at Intel. They've got a new chip. I guess they have a new chip every year. Faster. Yeah. Better. Stronger. <laughs> Bionic. You've been watching the Bionic Man. I have. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, it's interesting. And we've talked about this, John. Just the pace of upgrades now with laptops. Like in the old days, I'd be buying a new one every couple of years. Yeah. But now they go on forever. I was just going through some of the older laptops in our office and some of them are like nine years old. <laughs> like it's, they're, they're kind of too old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it depends what you're using it for. Yeah. But um, yeah, maybe it's time for those laptops to find new homes. Well, uh, a lot of them were Macs, but I got to tell you, John, I was just kind of going through them, using them. And they're pretty good. Like, you know, would I do any 3D gaming or, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, video work on it? Maybe not. But, you know, for web surfing and email and word processing, they're fine. Yeah. But anyway, we'll talk about uh, what this latest uh, generation of chips can do and why you might want to look at one. We'll also be chatting about the latest uh, in EV news. There's a lot happening uh, right now. Uh, you know, they've uh, uh, got some new technology that could actually charge cars faster. The electric ones? Way faster. Like in 10 minutes? Yeah. Fast. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, the new Polestar SUV. It's kind of interesting. Very sleek looking vehicles. And uh, Amazon trucks made by Rivian. Yeah, which is really cool. I think so. Uh, let's get into some of the tech news, John. This was interesting. A few weeks ago, we talked about YouTube and they were doing a, a paywall experiment. They obviously want you to upgrade to a premium membership. And I think I'm going to do it again. I had it for a while and it was glorious because I actually watched a lot more YouTube videos than I thought. Yeah. And I hate the ads. Yes. Because either you're going to watch one before it starts or they just pop up in the middle and you have to sit for like 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, we hate them, but we also use them on our own videos. Yes. Because <laughs> it makes the videos possible. Yes. But if you're a premium member, then basically you're still paying us that way. So yeah. that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. And you don't get to sit through ads. Well, they, they tried an experiment because they want more people to upgrade, right? Yeah. So one of the, these experiments was, uh, I guess, taking away the highest resolution videos, 4K, which is like the ultra high definition. So if you weren't a premium member, like paying, you wouldn't be able to see the 4K version. You could still see the HD version. Yeah, but not the ultra high def. Yeah, so I, I I think that would only really affect you if you're using it on a, you know, fancy TV or like an Apple TV or something like that that actually is capable of serving that up. Um, but also a lot of times TVs are doing a pretty good job nowadays of even upscaling the HD. Yeah, so if it was like an HD, like you're saying, yeah. it, it would make it 4K. It, it's not perfect. It's but not perfect, but it would look better than the average. I just question like for most people, you know, depending how far their TV is away from them, would they even really notice a huge difference on the YouTube videos that they're watching? Unless it's some sort of kind of National Geographic, yeah. you know, landscape thing. Like, I just don't know. Well, I, how to change your carburetor. Like, do I care? I, well, I, the thing is, getting to that point, I think a lot of people just use it on their phones. Yeah. So it probably wouldn't matter. No. Which is probably why they abandoned this approach. <laughs> the, not to mention probably the negative feedback they got from people. Yeah. Moving on to some of the other tech stories here on Get Connected. Uh, I didn't know this was happening, but I imagine a lot of delivery companies are looking at this. FedEx 
was <laughs> trying to use, or they're testing uh, delivery robots. They call it their last mile delivery robot. So they would kind of bring the truck to an area and then send the robots out to, you know, get it to the doorstep. Yeah. This just seems doomed to fail in a lot of reasons for, for a lot of reasons for me. Yeah. Cause I've seen, we've seen this before. We've seen pizza delivery places. We've seen like grocery delivery places. A lot of different companies are experimenting with these cute little robots to roam around your neighborhood and bring you stuff. But the problem is a, you have to be home to receive it. Yeah. So that's a problem. The nice thing is I don't have to be home to receive a FedEx package. No. I have a ring doorbell. Yes. <laughs> that can receive it for me. Um, and I've seen some pretty bad videos of these robots being abused. You know, they get cut off by a car and they get flipped over and caught underneath and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. I've seen like kids like tip them over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. And you're wondering, where's my pizza? Yeah. Is exactly. the robot got tipped over. Right. <laughs> so your, your pizza's all <laughs> folded in half inside the box. And these robots aren't cheap either. No. And no. not to mention just the deployment system they would have had to build for all this too. It's interesting. They're not cheap, but if they could replace, for example, John, like an employee that makes, let's say, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. Yeah. But well. but so but then you have to factor in that robot doesn't do things by itself. No. It kind of does, but there has to be a human kind of monitoring. Something still has to load the robot. Yes. Something still has to retrieve the robot if it gets lost or stuck. Yeah. I've, I've seen them stuck in like gutters and sidewalk curbs and stuff like that. And quite often, a lot of these tests, there's a human following them around. Yeah. Because people aren't quite ready for this yet. I think in maybe some areas, like I can see like New York City, for example, or, you know, the West End of Vancouver, for example, would be a good spot where this could work maybe. How? If you're going up to an apartment building? Well, that's the problem. Yeah. You're just going to dump it at the front door? No, you're not. Yeah. Like, like even in my neighborhood, like we're like a suburban neighborhood, you know, with wide streets and sidewalks and stuff. It would still like how, you know, my driveway, right? I've got, you know, teenagers and there's always people visiting. It is jammed. Like I can hardly get up my, like I've, you know, I've got typically four cars in that driveway. Yeah. That robot getting through there without scratching all my cars. I can't get through your neighbor, your driveway sometimes because no. the cars are so packed tightly. <laughs> so what's the, what's the robot going to do? It's going to sit at the edge of the lawn. And just beep. 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 <laughs> Mr. Agarbo, beep. Well, I, I hopefully know. an app will tell you that there's a robot outside for you. <laughs> I think to your point, John, we're just not ready yet. We've talked a lot about metaverse. Yes. Uh, the metaverse is kind of the next iteration of the internet. It's going to be more kind of um, like a virtual or mixed reality. Yeah. One of the most popular headsets would be from Meta, which is Facebook. Uh, and we've talked a lot about them, but we're seeing more and more stats now showing that people aren't in the metaverse. Well, they're not in or Horizon's world. They're not in Facebook's metaverse. Yeah. And I've, I've got some theories as to why. Because when I think of metaverses, like it's a virtual world. Yeah. If you make it compelling, people will go there. Yes. So Make it and they will come. Yeah. A lot of games that are out there right now, like World of Warcraft or Fortnite is a big example. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. It's millions of people are in that. Yeah. But Facebook's world it's called horizons world right yeah you can go in there and make your own little island or world yeah it's yeah. kind of like a little floating planet world island whatever you want to call it yeah and you have the ability to customize it although 
we, we spent some time because we wanted to actually make this for our TV set. We wanted yeah. to recreate our studio in the metaverse and it was so clunky. It, it was almost like going back 20 years, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it felt like we were using Atari's yeah, to make this thing. To make this. And so the stats are showing this, John. No one's in there. Yeah. Like even Mark Zuckerberg is like trying to get his employees to use it. Yeah. Well, the, the employees that actually work on it don't even use it. No. And I was in there and I don't like it. And it's confusing. So the one part we do use on that whole headset thing is the, the meeting thing. Yeah. That 100%. Like I would endorse that time yeah. and time again. It is amazing. But even that is, is confusing. I don't know how normal people would get one of these headsets and get everything set up. And it's even more confusing right now because they want you to migrate accounts and things like that. I don't even know how many accounts. So I've got an account, a Facebook account. I've got a meta account. I've got a workspace account. And it's the same freaking company. Yeah, because they want to have it all branded properly and it's just causing all kinds of problems. Robin on our team, he logs into the same workspace that we worked in you know, a few weeks ago. He doesn't see half the customizations anymore. No. Which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Nothing's changed on his side. Nothing's changed on my side. It's just, it's, so it's a beta. It's not, yeah, it's not seamless. It's no. confusing. Yeah. And there's just not anything compelling yet. The workspace thing, yes, 100%. But creating your own world, there's got to be something that happens in there. And so looking at the stats, only 9% of the those horizon worlds that people are creating, these little islands or whatever you want to call them, yeah. only 9% of them have 50 or more people that actually have gone in there. Yeah. Well, I, and some, I guess someone online said they're just sad worlds. They are. Yeah, they are. We, we gave it a, the college try, as you, as you say, we went in there and we spent, you know, a, some time trying to find some compelling places to go, but the tools are so limited in what, how these creators can make these spaces. Yeah. And there's so limited things that you can actually do in them. Like it's kind of fun for five or 10 minutes. We went into a Star Wars world that a Star Wars fan had made and he had recreated all the ships. You can fly around in the ships. You can have lightsaber fights, very rudimentary ones though. And you know, it gets old quickly. Yeah. So, okay, well. What's new? Give me the next thing. Yeah. Do I have to go to Harry Potter Island and do I have to go to, you know, all these other places and try to get some, you know, fan service happening to make it compelling? But you can't buy anything in there. I mean, that's something that they're really pushing is the shopping experience. Yeah. That's not there yet. And there's really not a lot of other things to do, at least in Horizon Worlds. There's lots of other apps and games you can play that are sort of standalone. But as far as a metaverse as a place to go, right now, Horizon Worlds is just filled of whiny little kids. I know. I was in there and there's just a bunch of kids. I played some of the games in there. They had some games. Yeah. And they're just like... It's like going to Chuck E. E. Cheese on a Saturday. Yeah. Like it's not entertaining for anybody over the age of 12. There you go. Okay, we've got a lot more to talk about here on Get Connected. Everything from the latest uh, EV news, some new chips. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Hear more and more about AirTags, John. Uh, And we'll be talking about this on the app show. Uh, Lufthansa, one of the big airlines in the world, uh, made quite a stink last week, suggesting that they might not allow AirTags into checked baggage. Yes. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But I want to talk about another story that I found fascinating. One of the features of the AirTags is that if there's a foreign one, not yours, in and around you, your phone, well, your iPhone, will alert you to that fact. Well, we had one example with uh, one of our uh, team members. We've got Robin Cavanaugh in studio with us. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. You're in the Apple world. 
I am. Yeah, you used to be an Android man. That's right, only <laughs> until last year, but now I'm full in it. You're being tracked? Yeah, I had quite a spooky experience with this where I was picking up a Evo, which is like a car share program. You can kind of book it on the app and just pick up a random car. I think that's just here in Vancouver, right? Yeah. 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 But anyway, picked up this random car, drove it home, as I've done a bunch of times. And that's the appealing thing, right? You just you just pick it up. Exactly. I don't yeah. have a car. I yeah. just use those. Yeah. Um, and so I dropped it home. I went into my house. This is late at night, so I got ready for bed, brushed my teeth, blah, blah, blah. Basically, 30 minutes later, I got a notification on my phone saying a foreign air tag has been uh, discovered on your person. And I was like, oh, God. And this has happened before where I have, like, a new iPhone or something in my bag or, like, a set of AirPods, and it triggers it. Yes. And I think, okay, it was just that. But then I quickly realized I don't have anything. So I was like, okay. It gave me the option to connect to it so I can, like, send out an alert. I tried to connect. Nothing. So that means it's not yours. It's not mine, and it's not in my immediate vicinity being, like, my bedroom. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it must be the Evo. I go back outside. I put on my dressing gown. It's, like, half 11 at night. I can I ask my... you what a dressing gown is? <laughs> <laughs> Before we go any further? Yeah. Like, is this a gown? Yeah, it, it, yeah dressing gown. Like, like a robe? Like a robe, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I have my little tea light and my nightcap. And yeah. <laughs> So I go outside and I try to connect to the air tag again, right up to the Evo. I press the button and this time I hear that little ding come from inside the Evo. So that's the feature. If it's not your air tag, you can ding it, right? Oh, e even if it is your air tag, yeah. like to be able to locate it further. Yeah. But exactly, if it's not your air tag, they still give you the option to like send out an alert so you can find it. Well, this is troubling now, John, because now we won't be able to track him. <laughs> he, he found us out I'm kidding I'm kidding so go on yeah yeah so anyway I had to rebook the Evo to be able to unlock it I go inside does that cost you money yeah it costs like a dollar to unlock and then every minute that you have it unlocked is yeah. costing you like a few cents yeah so anyway I go and immediately I'm looking like what are some of the places where there'd be like a bag left over or maybe like a key or something so I'm checking like down the sides of the car seats things like that because I was thinking this you know I was thinking not nefarious thoughts beforehand. Yeah. I see nothing. I keep pinging it around, trying to like echolocate exactly where it is. And you can hear it. I it's, can hear it. It's yeah. like clear as day. Inside the car. Inside the car. Yeah. And so eventually I'm trying to like, I go behind like the back seats. I ping it. It's very clearly coming from the front of the car. So I go back into the front. I'm like checking. Is it by the driver's side? Is it the passenger side? I start getting a little bit antsy. Mind you, there are people walking their dogs behind me and I'm just in my dressing gown like underneath the uh, glove compartment yeah. with my torch on trying to find this thing. Angie, I'm tearing up the mats. I'm opening the glove compartment, checking through all the documentation. <laughs> You're like a Canadian border security <laughs> guy. In a dressing gown. In a dressing gown. A dressing yeah. gown. And nothing. You so can't find it. I genuinely cannot find it at all. When I ping it, it sounds like it's like coming from on top of the dashboard. Yeah. Essentially, but literally nothing, nowhere. There was one thing I found, and that was the little plastic wrapper that an AirTag comes in. No. Yeah. Oh. Right in the center console. Just left there. So I start kind of getting a little bit freaked out. Yeah. So in my head, it's like, okay, I'm going to take this Evo. I'm going to drive it away from my front door for yep. a start. So I drive it a few blocks down the road. 
<laughs> this is becoming like a mission now. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I start doing that. And I'm like, okay, I have to call Evo and let them know. So I take a picture of the reg. Um, I lock the car. I get out. And then, again, I'm and then it explodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I call them. And the customer service on Evo, I've had a great experience with them. Yeah. And likewise, like... Can you imagine being that poor guy or girl, girl that's answering that call? <laughs> no, right. They had no idea. And I just explained the situation. I was like, look, I just drove it home. I picked it up from this part of the city, drove it 30 minutes after another 30 minutes. I get the alert. And I was like, I looked everywhere, can't find it. And so they're like, okay, we'll take the car off the road so no one else can book it. And we'll send someone out in the morning yeah. to like check it out. They're gonna have to tear that thing apart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, I like gave the reg. I gave them the location. They can see all of this anyway through their systems. Yeah. Like she was immediately able to just like tip tap. Yeah, because they like, don't. So just so everyone knows out there, they don't need to put air tags in their cars <laughs> to track you, right? Because no. they're already tracking you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so that's kind of one of the things that confused me the most. Yeah. Because it's not like a particularly Okay, it's not. Sorry, I lost some track. Um, sorry, you can cut this. What's like? A, oh, sorry. It's not like a particularly targeted thing. Yeah. Unless someone is tracking me all day. Yeah. But I got in this Evo, and there's already air tag. Well, I'd be interested to see what they say about it. You gonna follow up with them? Maybe I didn't get a name of the customer service person, so yeah, I don't know. I've heard nothing from them. Well, that's one of the good features of the AirTags is it will let you know if there's a foreign one. Certainly, and a lot quicker than uh, than I thought. Thanks, Robin. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We are Canada's number one tech radio program, all the way from Vancouver to Toronto. We've got uh, a great guest on the line, uh, our friend Sam Safe from Intel. Thanks for joining us. Hey, gents. Great to be on the show with you. I love it, and uh, I'm thrilled to be with you. We're going to talk chips. Uh, you guys have uh, announced uh, the latest generation of uh, Intel chips uh, that basically power most of the world's uh, computers and laptops. Now on the 13th generation of uh, the core i5, i7, and i9 chips. And just for the listeners out there, um, can you explain what is new about the 13th generation? You still have like the i5, i7, i9 kind of, you know, breaking up the different models there. Uh, but this 13th generation is is the latest and greatest. What what makes it uh, different from previous versions? Yeah, Mike, that's that's a great question. So um, let me let me start actually by referring to our previous generation, which is which is a 12th gen Intel core family of products that you alluded to earlier. And um, Frankly, it was a super successful family of processors for us. In fact, it was maybe one of the greatest leaps forward in terms of computing capability. So pretty spectacular. But now we get to build on that success and take it to the next level. So that brings us to today where we're really excited about this launch as it gives us the opportunity to introduce the whole family of 13th generation Intel core processors and that you know, flagship of that family is the Intel Core i9-13900K, the world's fastest desktop processor, delivering, among other things, the world's best gaming experience. So that's right there out of the out of the gate is one thing that's um, 
pretty dramatically new. We're now front and center at the bleeding edge, at the top edge of, of the stack and delivering amazing experiences, um, primarily for the gamer at that high end, but also for content creators, uh, for a whole host of usage models. So um, again, a really great opportunity for us to delight our customers even further. And, and by the way, a lot of people, um, I, I need to be careful about this, but a lot of people uh, equate this with extreme gaming. This is not just for the extreme gamer. Beauty of this launch is that it's about the extreme gamer. It's about the casual gamer. It's about the content creator, the streamer, really a versatile family of processors to address every need. So yeah, in short is we've just um, really raised the bar raise the standards of PC performance yet again, and in doing so, um, Intel is enabling amazing experiences to happen on the PC. Sam, in, in, in your opinion, uh, you know, how long should laptops and PCs last now? You know, if you just bought one tomorrow, kind of the latest one, let's say you got a 13th gen, like how many years would you expect to get out of it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. There's no real hard, fast rule. I, I think, um, you know, this kind of gets me thinking about how you actually make a decision about buying uh, a CPU. And really, um, you know, to answer your question directly, it's really gonna depend on what you use your computer for. So for some people, hey, they just need to be fast all the time. They need to have the latest and greatest. And so for them, it's not uncommon to be buying a new Intel CPU every, you know, 18 months or so. Um, for other folks, who are predominantly using their PC for, um, let's say, web browsing, maybe a little bit of email, some um, word processing spreadsheets. They might be good keeping their PC for three years to five years. Um, I think for me, what I find um, sort of helpful, uh, and, and, and sorry for going down our little rabbit trail here, but I'm the father of four boys. And so uh, buying clothes in our home is a, is a pretty big deal and uh, uh, can really hit the wallet. So what I tend to like to do, and, and somebody gave me great advice, they said, you know what, if you think you need something that is, you know, this big, buy it just a touch bigger. Um, and I think that's probably not bad advice for buying a processor. If you think that, you know, your usage model today looks like, content creation, well, maybe buy something that gives you a little more runway and maybe buy a step up from what you were initially considering. So it really, um, you know, to kind of summarize, it really does get down to what your usage model is and where, um, uh, where you think you need to be in terms of that performance um, curve. Well, it, it, yeah, it does. Uh, and it's interesting, Sam, because, uh, you know, I talk about this to, you know, people ask me all the time what, what kind of computer I should get. And it, it's tough, right? Because you you go into the store uh, to, to look at all the different models, let's say laptops, for, for example, and, you know, you can see the screen. You can you can see and touch the keyboard and, and things like that. So it's kind of got that tactile visual aspect to it, but you can't see the processor, right? Because it's uh, it's yeah. it's kind of the brain in inside there. But to me, it's it's like a critical part of the whole experience. Because if you don't get a good one, you know, a year from now or even right away, you're just not going to be happy. You know, when I first started my business back years ago, we thought we were brilliant. We we're buying like these, you know. $300 laptops, you know, oh, we're saving money. But within a year, like the staff, you know, there were like 
revolting, right? <laughs> like they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't work on these machines anymore. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a really good point. So again, I, I would just say, let's go back to what you're using your PC for today, what you think you're going to need it for tomorrow. And then buy, you know, get, get, get that extra little buffer to your point. You don't want to be coming back in, in a couple of months and going, Oh wow. Um, I really needed a lot more horsepower. So um, I, I, I think you're on the, you're spot on in terms of your thought process around making a purchase and a, and a decision um, for your uh, PC purchase. So you've got the three different models. There's the, uh, the i5, i7, i9, you know, i9, you know, I, I think you'd agree kind of aimed at the higher end gamer or content creator. Where do you think the best value is, you know, for families? Yeah. Um, great question. I mean, this is the beauty of this, this family of CPUs is that there is something for every budget and for every usage model. So I think for families, um, you know, certainly the i5, i7, uh, great options. Um, I would probably, uh, if I think of my own family where I have a variety of needs in my own family, um, again, I look at my wife, she likes to, you know, she's, she's on, she's on social media. She's, um, she's, you know, responding to emails. So she might be kind of that i5 customer. Whereas my kids, um, you know, they're, they, they, they like to, they like to casually game, you know, they're into gaming, they're into doing um, really media intensive um, school projects. I think for them, an I seven or an I nine would be perfectly suited. And, uh, and so there's, there's again, that, that really nice section of options to fit every budget and uh, every need in the family. Your kids, your boys must love you, Sam. You must have like drawers full of i9 chips, like in your kitchen. <laughs> you're am, like uh, you're the man at like Intel. The, <laughs> I, I am like the cobbler's kids, my friend. So, uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think maybe you might want to schedule a follow up uh, conversation with my kids. They 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 would uh, have a different story, eh? That, that, that's right. That's right. It might not be quite as favorable as what you just portrayed, but thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, and just in your opinion, uh, you know, once a consumer picks, you know, the chip that they believe is, is right for them. And, you know, obviously if you go into some of these retailers, like the staples of the world, uh, they can help, you know, narrow that choice down for you. What are some of the other, uh, you know, things inside the computer that, you know, people out there should really, you know, look for? Yeah, great, great, great call out there because the CPU, you know, you, um, you, 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 you kind of nailed it on the head earlier when you said the CPU is, um, you know, the central processing unit. It's the brains of the PC, but um, kind of like our, our physical bodies, you know, the brain is one part of our body and it, it's, it's kind of sending messages to different parts to, for, for, to perform functions and, um you know, those other parts are equally as critical, right? So uh, for me in the PC, I start looking at things like, you know, first thing, processor, that's job one. Job two, I start looking at memory, at storage capacity, um, so your hard drive, um, you know, is it, a, is it a spinning platter or is it an SSD? Am I, am I gonna get a, you know, faster boost by going to an SSD? I look at, um, you know, if it's a notebook in particular, I look at the different connectivity options. So um, there are a lot of factors to consider. And again, it, it really does go back to, hey, what are you using it for? Because 
you know, uh, if you're just going to be doing email, well, you might not need all those connectivity options. You might not need discrete graphics. Graphics is a, another huge important factor, uh, particularly as you go into the higher ends of desktop and notebook uh, PCs. So, um, uh, you know, all of those things contribute to the overall performance of the PC, which in turn equates to the overall experience. We're talking with Sam Safe, the man from Intel uh, here in Canada, talking all about the latest 13th gen iCore processors. Where can people find out more information, Sam? The best resource I know, www.intel.ca. Sam, I want to thank you for joining the program and we'll talk real soon again. Okay, we are going to have to take uh, another break. You are tuned in to uh, get connected. When we come back, a little more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Time to talk uh, about some EV or electric vehicle news. There's so much uh, happening in that space right now, starting off with Nikola. They're uh, an EV truck company that uh, has been raising a lot of money along the way, John. I think GM even took a $2 billion stake in them. $2 billion. Yeah, but things aren't all what they seem, it sounds like, with Nikolai. Um, the CEO has basically been tri- uh, charged with fraud, uh, because what a number of things sort of led to this. There was a, a video that sort of showed it, this 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 truck uh, going down the highway. Apparently, it was it was literally just coasting. It wasn't actually like it, it wasn't a functional vehicle. <laughs> they pushed it down a hill, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. So, but it sounds like they've been misleading investors about you know. Uh, the capabilities of these machines and a whole bunch of things and uh, things aren't looking good for the CEO right now. So they were uh, they were looking to make uh, these big like semi trucks that could be powered uh, by electricity batteries, but also hydrogen as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. they were trying to take on Tesla's uh, entry into that space as well. Yeah, Tesla's semi. It looks like it's ready. Yeah, like yeah. they're manufacturing them. Which is uh, which is interesting. Uh, so anyway, is he going to jail? <laughs> well, he he's he's been convicted on three charges of fraud. Oh my gosh! Um, he could serve up to twenty years uh, in jail. Great, uh, which is not good. Um, so it's just be interesting to see how this all plays out and and what happens to the company if it even still is a company. Moving on to another EV company. Not again. I don't think a lot of people have heard of them. Uh, Polestar. Uh, they have their Polestar 3 electric SUV coming uh, in late 2023. These things keep getting bumped. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, And so it's going to be starting in about 85 US. Yeah. So that's the problem with a lot of these things right now, these cars. They're just too expensive. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think this is more for the luxury market. Yeah. Um, and it definitely has some interesting uh, specs. And uh, they've had a, a big sort of launch event recently. And, it, you know. It looks like a fantastic vehicle that you can probably pre-order now. But it looks not. very Tesla-ish inside. It's got kind of the big screen. Yeah, it's kind of, well, we, we see something either looks like a Tesla or it looks like something out of a science fiction movie where the the whole dash is a big screen, right? Yeah, typically. So, yeah, that's a fairly simple design cue. Interestingly enough, Polestar seems to have a vehicle warehouse really close to our studio. Because we keep seeing them all yeah, the time. Yeah, because they've got the cars available. Yeah, the yeah. cars available. And they're kind of reasonable Yeah, compared to, they're not $100,000. No. I think in the 50K uh, range. Uh, scientists, they might have cracked the 10-minute electric car charging issue. That's the thing. I mean, 
if you need to fill up your car with gas, it doesn't take that long. Five minutes. Yeah. EVs, it takes longer. Especially if you have a longer range battery in those EVs. Yeah. Because you have more to fill up. So mine, I have a Tesla Model 3. If I hook up to a Tesla supercharger, it's kind of like a fire hose of electricity. It still takes, you know, about 40 minutes to get a full tank. Yeah. And the challenge is it gets to 80% pretty quick. It could probably do that in like half an hour, but it's the last 20%. It has to slow down to yeah. protect the battery. It's like a plane landing. It doesn't come landing in at like 700 kilometers an hour. You know what I mean? It has to slow down yeah. to land. Uh, so scientists uh, are obviously trying to find ways to charge these vehicles faster because that is a big issue. If you've got, you know, millions of EVs out there and it takes them like 45 minutes to charge, that's a lot of waiting for people. Well, it sounds like they're using uh, something to regulate the temperature inside the battery so that it basically prevents what you just described. Uh, it gives the, it gives the charging system more control over that so that it's not going to uh, be dangerous or anything like that. Um, but it's, it's an interesting development. I, I'm still waiting for what we've seen a lot of times where your parking space will actually be like a wireless charging pad for your car. I think that's, that's be- the future, but they're even like in Sweden, I know they're testing roads yeah. that have EV charging as you're driving, which is kind of, kind of crazy. Okay. We are going to have to take another break here on get connected. When we come back more tech to talk, stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. Don't forget to check out our sister show. It's called The App Show, and we've got a great program for you. It's on Sundays across the Course Radio Network. And if you're in Toronto, it's right after this show, Saturday nights. On tomorrow's App Show, we will uh, be covering the latest Apple announcement. There's a bunch of new iPads and a new Apple TV. We'll tell you what's new. Should you upgrade? I think in some cases uh, you might want to. We'll also be talking about an unopened iPhone from back in 2007. This is the very first iPhone. I still have mine, John. I wish I still had mine. Did you sell it? I did. Well, if you had an unopened box, a sealed box, uh, one just went for auction for $39,000. So we're going to talk about that and how some of this old tech that might be sitting in your garage or crawl space or cupboard somewhere might be worth money. They've become antiques. And unlike antiques that take hundreds of years, technology becomes antique in 10 years, <laughs> pretty pretty much. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about AirTags. Uh, Lufthansa be- came under a lot of heat because uh, they were suggesting they might ban Apple AirTags. A lot of people are using them to track their luggage. You've been traveling. It's kind of chaos in airports. Yes. And so I don't even check a bag. Like, I just have my carry-on. I don't know how you do that. Why? Oh, yeah, you have a giant fridge-sized bag. I like to have clothes, though. Yeah, me too. Well, we're going to tell you what's happened with that and if you will be allowed to have an AirTag in your luggage. That's all the time we have left. I want to thank John and Robin for helping put the program together. We'll see you again next time.